1: And greetings, welcome. We are back for another edition of John Schools here along with Chris Justice, right there from San mark Tamarkin LLP, employment ca. To reach out to Chris anytime when we're not doing this half hour, as you probably know, one 821 8 5900 help at employmentlawyer.ca main topic we'll get to in just a bit is discrimination in the workplace that's on the way now normally chris we get into your uh, case of the day your week that was i know you got something to uh, to talk about all the time but uh, already a lineup on the phones which is great we're going to get to uh, right off the top Dana who's been waiting through the uh, the news break there to uh, to ask a question hi Dana, how are you
0: hello McGonagher?
1: hi how are you hi
0: hello. my name is dina sorry
1: Oh, sorry, Dina, go ahead. Misspelling no here. No problem. Okay, what's uh, what's on your mind?
0: Um, I'm good. Thanks for asking. How are you today? Mm-hmm.
1: Excellent. Good. Thanks. What's going on?
0: All right. So, um, I need some advice. Um, so, recently, um, specifically at the end of September, um, I felt forced to hand in my one month's notice as um, signed on my contract. I was working at this um, health center um and as discussed during my interview um with hopes of shortly becoming promoted to um manager there so long story short um there's you know drama toxicity uh, not only exhibited by um two of my coworkers that I closely worked with but um also by my employer um as there's like you know favoritism involved and bias and whatnot and um so, to catch up to what I was saying, I basically felt forced to resign. and um, my shortly after my resignation, um, the employee so my coworker that uh, accepted the role in which was verbally offered to me this managerial role, so she requested to have a private conversation. Um, that was my mistake there. I think I should have never had it, but, um, nevertheless, what's done is done, and then the following day, um, so two days after my resignation, I um, I was dismissed um, from work without cause. So my employer had emailed me at like six in the morning, and um, I hadn't known anything. I walked into work at like ten, and next thing you know, um, I was informed from another coworker that that day would have been my last. So I've been going back and forth um, in regards to emails, and he's refusing to pay me for the remainder of my notice period, um, stating that uh, in the beginning of September, I had to go back home um, for a personal family matter. I was away for two weeks, and then when I returned, um, this all happened like within that same week, um, meaning the resignation, the dismissal from work, that private conversation I had with the coworker that had been deceptive and deceived me. And um, he said to me uh, very recently in his email that um, he let me go uh, with cause. Um, and the reason is because I created um, an uncomfortable workplace for others. Meanwhile, I've been attempting to express, um, as stated even in my resignation letter, that I've been you know feeling discomfort and unsafe of work uh, at work due to like the um, inappropriate behaviors of like, Many of my coworkers there including those two women that i was telling you about so um i have a close friend um and i've been you know talking to her and um you know i've been thinking of like taking this on the news and uh, she brought up defamation uh, so, like, uh, if I were to take it onto the news, um, there's a case that, like, I may be sued by my employer and even this specific coworker of defamation. But, like, ironically enough, this has been my case um, resulting in, in, like, the revoke of my um, offer. So I'm just going to leave it at that.
2: Okay, well, I mean, I appreciate you reaching out. I mean, it does seem like a lot has gone on and has been going on of recent Uh, note. Uh, I mean, you've mentioned things like a resignation, a forced resignation. And of course, for a resignation to be a true resignation, uh, it has to be voluntary. It can't be something that's uh, forced out of somebody or or someone feels there's a toxic work environment they're pushed out of. It's going to, in a lot of cases, not be a valid resignation. And you as the employee can assert that you were effectively terminated by being pushed out. But you first have to prove that you did suffer uh, in a toxic workplace and it may come down to specific examples exactly of what uh, created that toxicity as well as what efforts you made to address those issues with your employer and what the employers response is. so that's one thing now mm-hmm. the other thing and, and I should say that if you can succeed in making that argument you could get your full severance as though you were let go without cause but you've mentioned that the employer has made some claim that they have just cause to terminate your employment based on some things that had happened recently. When an employer makes a case for cause against you, that could mean that even though you're being let go, you actually wouldn't be entitled to any severance whatsoever on your way out. Now for an employer to um, be able to pull that off essentially, they need to really show that what you did um, sort of irreparably damaged the employment relationship. Um, It's a very high bar for an employer to meet but it will ultimately just depend on what that, uh, what the examples of, of the cause would be. Um, but that's another issue there, so it kind of depends on on whether they have cause or not. But if they don't have cause, it seems like they sort of uh, cut your resignation short. So in your case, it just may really come down to whether or not this employer has cause or doesn't, and, and that could be then uh, what results in either you getting severance or not. So you'd have to really delve a bit deeper into that And then the last thing you mentioned was defamation. Um, Of course, if you do make statements and and broadcast them publicly and the company believes that they're actually untrue and they cause damage to the company, uh, you could be in a situation where you're being accused of defamation. So uh, you really have to make sure that what you're saying is factual, is the truth, because that's one defense to defamation, but it's really going to maybe come down to an interpretation in a lot of cases of what the company believes is true versus what you do. So, I'd say really before having any further communication, before going to the media, before really discussing any of this further with your employer because it could potentially hurt you further, I'd strongly recommend you schedule a consultation and and have a chat with a lawyer because, as I say, it does seem like there's a lot of issues to go through. um, And depending on what your future holds or if you find another job somewhere else, that may also be another issue to take into account when sort of assessing your situation and figuring out what the best um, path to take would be.
0: Okay, um, But it for- does
2: seem like there's a lot of information here. So so I, I think you really do need a full-fledged consultation to go through all of these issues because, yeah, there's a lot going on.
1: I will give you the uh, number, Dana, as we let you go for the uh, night. Thank you for the call, by the way. You'll hear it uh, throughout the half hour, one to reach out. Now that you've had that phone call, we'll take a quick break, get into our topic for the night, discrimination in the workplace. We continue more. The Employment Law Show is just ahead. Hang in there. And welcome back to an Employment Law Show. You bet Chris Justice is your guy. Anytime, even outside the uh, the half hour of the show, you can still get a hold of Chris and his team. He's got a good team behind him. one 821 5900 Okay, discrimination in the workplace may seem like an obvious question, but maybe not. Chris, uh, discrimination, what is it?
2: Yeah, you know what I mean. A lot of people actually do in my phone calls with them. When I speak to to various people, they'll think that discrimination just simply means differential treatment. Um, but but really, what discrimination means is differential treatment on the basis of certain characteristics. Um, you know, these are things that are obviously set out in uh, human rights legislation, both in terms of provincially and federally. But it's essentially the unfair or prejudicial treatment of employees or even job applicants based on their, their these certain protected characteristics. So, discrimination can really occur at any time during employment. Could be at the hiring stage. Could be mm. with respect to a promotion, with respect to someone's compensation, the reasons for termination, uh, or just you know your regular day-to-day interactions. And again, it has to be based on a set of characteristics, things like someone's race, color, sex, gender, sexual orientation. Um, those sorts of things. And uh, obviously, it's a huge issue. Um, as I say, there's laws set in place to prevent these things and yet still find ourselves having to deal with these issues coming up in the workplace.
1: Well, you started to touch on it there. Give me some some types of maybe uh, some more examples of what you might find or you've come across in the workplace when it comes to discrimination.
2: Yeah, so aside from the actual protected grounds in the legislation, uh, Mm -hmm. there are also different types of discrimination as far as, for example, uh, direct discrimination, you've got uh, indirect discrimination. So so direct, you've got someone maybe saying something to you, making a comment to you, or just treating you unfavorably based on one of those protected grounds. But then there's other forms of more indirect discrimination. Like, say, for instance, you've got a company with a policy that says – Uh, There's potential for certain employees to earn bonuses, or maybe employees company-wide to earn bonuses, but in order to achieve the bonus, um, maybe there's some aspect of it that doesn't take into account some of the limitations someone has, let's say, from a disability perspective, and so they then, as a result of their disability, can't actually get that bonus. And it's not necessarily this direct form of discrimination, but it can have that indirect impact. And that's just something that employers actually need to be aware of when coming up with certain policies and thinking, um, you know, what kind of potential knock-on effects could this have? Or are people being excluded, you know, for for reasons external to the policy that that could be seen as discriminatory? Um, So so there's direct and indirect. And then you've got other things, of course, like harassment. Um, so, So any you know, inappropriate or unwelcome conduct uh, that is based on these characteristics, creating that toxic work environment. That of course can be a type of discrimination. And then I think lastly you've got retaliation or reprisal. So when when someone, say, brings forward an issue of discrimination to a company and then later on they find themselves uh, on the end of some negative or or punishing treatment um, for asserting their rights. Um, but these are some of the main forms or types of discrimination when it comes to all those protected grounds. Um, so what does one do if they experience
1: discrimination in the workplace or based on what you just described mm-hmm. there, they feel they're experiencing it? What uh, What do they do?
2: Yeah, so if you're an employee, an individual, you're in the workplace and you're experiencing discrimination in some form, uh, and this really this is a general rule for everything, document the incidents. You know, document, document, document. Uh, documenting things will just make it easier, especially later on. Doesn't even have to involve discrimination, but if there's any issue within the workplace whatsoever, um, documenting it, of course, is going to be helpful. Um, People tend to forget things over time. And so if you make some notes actually at the time the incident's occurring or afterwards, as I say, that's going to make things a whole lot easier for you Mm -hmm. when it comes to bringing it to management's attention, you know, because that's the other thing uh, you would often need to do is let the company know. Uh, A lot of times people experience discrimination in the workplace as a matter of fact. Um, But it's only known between two parties. And then that person, the victim of the discrimination, ends up leaving the company, comes to a lawyer. We go after the company for discrimination, but it's a battle now of he said, she said. And the company has their sort of this leg to stand on where they say, oh, well, we were never made aware of it. That's unfortunate. But had you made us aware, we would have taken action immediately. And so, yeah, in most cases, you're going to want to bring it to the attention of the company. I say in most cases only because um, there could be a scenario where you can actually talk to the person who's subjecting you to the discrimination. It it will kind of depend, of course, on the scenario. But uh, if there's a possibility to address it head on with that person as a means of sort of nipping in the bud, um, that potentially could be another avenue uh, short of actually going to HR and reporting it. Um, And, you know, you're going to want to review company policies as well if you're a victim of discrimination, Mm -hmm. just so that you have an idea of, you know, how the company uh, is set up to deal with those things. There might be certain procedures or steps that you need to go through when reporting, say, harassment or discrimination. And again, you want to, as best you can, uh, all things considered, you know, go through those policies and sort of follow them uh, if possible so that, again, you're sort of following the company and and they're not going to later on be able to say something like you didn't go through proper channels and and I think the last thing uh, to do would would get some legal advice of course you know uh, these these situations can be complicated and a lot of times you know hindsight's twenty twenty. you don't think of things no. and, and getting that advice early on can be beneficial
1: so if the if the person harassing you is the top of the food chain mm-hmm. and there really is nobody above them to go maybe the owner uh, where do you turn at that point because it's still a problem
2: yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's it's hard to really go anywhere. You know, the thing is, is that if the owner or someone at the top of the food chain is, is subjecting you to discrimination, then uh, it's going to be very hard for that company to uh, really do much about it. I mean, that's where the buck mm-hmm. stops with the owner. So um, that that would just be something that would have a much greater, I think, knock on effect, and and probably give somebody who's the the victim or subject to that discrimination. Um, you know, more of an out when it comes to the options being explored. Uh, You may still have an opportunity to report that information to a a body that's designed to address these complaints, even if it is against the owner, Um, because at the end of the day, someone ideally would have to know about it. But if it is the owner, then there could be an avenue where um, reporting may not necessarily be needed, and, and where, you know, any reasonable person in that case may just simply leave on account of that discrimination. And then, of course, if this happens, you've got a valid case for constructive dismissal. Uh, you go after the company for your full severance plus, you know, potentially additional human rights related damages on top.
1: So at that point, you're smartly going to reach out, especially if it's the top top of the food chain, you're going to reach out to you, an employment lawyer. How do you help in that situation?
2: Yeah, like, I, I think that if if you're, again, a victim or subject to this discrimination in the workplace, getting some advice as soon as possible is always beneficial because the lawyer is going to have the ability, an experienced lawyer, that is, is going to have the ability to sort of think a few steps ahead, you know, given how often that lawyer may be involved in these issues. They're going to know to look out for certain things. They're going to know to give you advice, like the things I mentioned, as far as documenting things, reviewing policies, you know, making sure everything's in place so that later on, if there ends up being an issue, um, you've got everything set up. You've got your ducks in a row. Uh, as yeah. I say, a lot of times people will speak to me about stuff that's happening in the workplace, but they've already left, or a lot of time has transpired. And again, hindsight being 2020 20 is all good, but it kind of leaves them in a little bit of a pickle when it comes to making out a valid merit-based case. You know, in mm-hmm. the legal context. Right? Because you know evidence is going to be very important. Uh, you know your, your ability to recall things could be important. That's why making notes is important. But you know, like I say, you want to try as best you can to avoid a he said she said and, and just document things and, and go through the steps to protect yourself later on. And you know that's of course what what an employment lawyer is going to be able to do. And then the lawyer is also going to be able to give you an idea of what the path ahead is like. Uh, in terms of, you know, whether or not you may have an ability to settle the case without the need for a lawsuit, or if not, and a lot of times these cases can be quite contentious, you know, you've got one side saying, absolutely, we didn't do any of this, and then you've got the individual saying, you know, a whole lot of negative stuff happened, um, that experienced employment lawyer is going to be able to kind of navigate you through that litigation process, and that can be, you know, very time-consuming and complicated. So you're going to want to get advice and, and get some representation for those reasons.
1: I want to uh, switch gears a little bit, Chris. I don't think we've talked about this or if we have ever. It's been a while. That is uh, employers' yeah. alleged cause after they terminate your employment. We haven't gone down this road recently for sure. Uh, after acquired cause, break that down. What does it mean?
2: Yeah, and a lot of people may not know about this phrase. You know, it's yeah. uh, like you say, it's not something we talk about all that often. Um, but I did think it was a good time to bring it up. I've actually got a few cases in in recent days where somebody's been let go uh, for without cause and then something happens and the employer basically changes their mind and says, oh, hold up a minute, now we're going to allege cause, you know, after the horse has already left the barn, so to speak. And, and that's basically what after acquired cause is, is where, you know, you're initially fired without cause, you know, hey, this is a reorganization, we're doing some restructuring, here's a package, and then Like I say, days later, weeks later, the the employer says, nope, we now are alleging what's called after acquired cause. And it can be very difficult for a company to turn a without cause into a cause, Mm -hmm. especially if they've already terminated the person without cause. And, And in order for companies to do this, they basically need to show that they only learned of certain misconduct after they let that person go. Um, you know, that, that there wasn't something they could have found out earlier that they didn't know about. And so it just came to light after. and and so they wouldn't have condoned it, none of that. and they just legitimately found out a bit late and and not only found out about it late, but found out about stuff that would rise to the level of cause, which is still a high bar to meet. So there are cases where employers can change their mind, but you know, they can't be blind to something happening before and just find out about it after. Um, they they have to have learned of it right there and then, and of course the the misconduct has to be quite serious.
1: Well, it definitely seems like timing plays a part in this. I'm sure there's more to it than that. And, I mean, in that regard, what can an employer rely on after uh, after acquired cause?
2: Yes. Uh, so so when an employer can rely on after acquired a cause is like I say, when there's a, there's a substantial enough incident that happened that they didn't they weren't aware of that they didn't condone. You know, a lot of employers will, let's say, for instance, be aware of somebody's misconduct during the tenure of their employment, decide to let them go without cause, maybe thinking it, they don't view it as bad uh, to, to sort of warrant a just cause dismissal, and then maybe a lawyer gets involved or the employee negotiates their rights, and then all of a sudden, maybe in bad faith, they say, oh, well, screw this, we're going to let this person go for cause now. And mm-hmm. then you find out that they were aware of all the allegations for, for months or years, and it's just now their way of, um, you know, trying to punish that employee maybe for asserting their rights. And so that's a scenario where an employer cannot rely on it. Um, but again, where it's more legitimate, uh, where, where the misconduct rises to that certain level, um, they'll, they'll, they'll be able to rely on it in those limited scenarios and, and, yeah, essentially turn, you know, a severance package of upwards of two years to nothing. But, yeah. but for that reason, it has to be serious. And, of course, if, if you're an employee in the situation and they kind of do the 180, you definitely want to get some legal advice.
1: I'll give you a minute to answer this last one, pal. That is, what are the yeah. uh, consequences if any of a bad faith cause allegation?
2: Yeah, so if the employer is caught in that example that I gave as far as, um, you know, knowing about the misconduct but now just raising it later as a means to, you know, kind of screw somebody over – then um, they're, they're on the hook for not only having to pay that employee's full severance, which, again, could be upwards of two years, but also being hit with potential additional damages from the court as far as those bad faith damages. Um, you know, Depending on the type of misconduct, discrimination could be a factor as well. And so, as I say, they'll get hit with not only the severance piece, but, but also those, those punitive and aggravated damages for the bad faith and essentially the abuse of, uh, of, of the cause allegation.
1: It's a good topic. I'm glad we at least scratched the surface on it for this half hour. We're going to wrap it up for now. We're back in. Uh, we have more on the uh, weekend, of course, and you can always keep sending Chris those emails and questions. Do that to help at employmentlawyer.ca. Have the option of calling Chris on the phone, one 855 And the website you can always use free and anonymous. It's there waiting for you, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, which you'll have access as well to the severance calculator. We'll catch you next time right here on the Employment
0: Law Show.